I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. Probably my juices flow all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know as much as I know. Right now, we've been able to stuff to stuff. The curse is broken. NC State fans, finally. <laughs> finally. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a triple play. The Wolfpack ain't for soft. It ain't for soft people. Welcome back to another edition of Pack Therapy. Your host, Joe Giulio, joined by Wolfpack Great. Scott Wood and Scott, NC State closes out the regular season on Tuesday with a loss at Duke. Jarkel Joyner tried his best, scored a bunch of points, but the Wolfpack loses 71-67 at Cameron to close the regular season at 22-9 overall and 12-8 and in ACC play. If I told you at the beginning of the season that NC State would win 22 games in the regular season and 12 league games, Probably take that, wouldn't you? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think at the beginning of the year, I was I was kind of on that that little bubble thing. I think they had the talent, and they were bringing in enough pieces that they could really find success. But being able to put it together in a short time with a bunch of transfers that have never played together um, is pretty much an accomplishment in itself. So, um, I mean, obviously, it was a great regular season. I wish they would have kind of finished. Uh, a little bit different, but at the end of the day, you know, those are two really good teams that they played uh, that are both going to probably be in the tournament. So uh, it is what it is. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and we'll get into it. Like who makes the tournament and who doesn't. In my opinion, I think there's, I think 16, I think six ACC teams will get into the NCAA tournament. I think there yep. are seven who have a legitimate case to make the NCAA tournament, including that Clemson team that NC State lost to in their final home game of the regular season. Again, you know, Kevin said after the loss to Duke, hey, if a, if a four-point road loss against a Q1 team knocks us out of the tournament, then we'll, we'll never make the tournament. And, and I get that, but it is the total body of work. It was the first time all year that NC State lost back-to-back games. Um, mm-hmm. let it, let's go back a little bit to that Clemson game because... It felt like the first time all year where they had a chance to get a second crack at somebody and they didn't make the most of it, right? You know, yeah. they Clemson, they go there early, they lose, they always seem to lose there. We saw that with Miami, they come back, beat Miami. Carolina, yeah. they go to Carolina, they have the eventful game, they get the second look at them, they beat them. So that was the first time this year I looked at it and I go, and I wasn't there for that Clemson game. But it felt like one of those, let's flush this one, move it along. Everyone has a bad game. That, that one, that type of performance, I didn't want to see that. I don't mind the loss. It was that type of performance where it was kind of like eh, a little bit of fool around and find out. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I, I'm not a big excuse maker, but I kind of said it at the beginning of the game. Um, they had senior night. Uh, they Basically, and, and this is where, honestly, NC State should probably change it up. They had senior night, clocks running, 
NC State comes out with like 30 seconds left and tries to get in a layup line. So basically they went 10 minutes without touching a ball. And then all of a sudden the, the, the tip goes up. Um, I think that's something that as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, this is going to be a really cold start. Nobody formed up. They're just coming out yeah. off senior night. I was like, this is not the way I would have wanted it if it was my senior night. Uh, so that was the first thing that was a huge red flag. I also think that Clemson isn't necessarily the best matchup for NC State. Um, reason being, and another kind of, not a red flag, but a red flag that's kind of started to come up and it's been a little bit of an exposure is the liability of DJ Burns in pick and roll situations. Hall picks and pops. Hall can pick and roll. Hall yeah. is very versatile. It's not a great matchup for him on the defensive end. Now, obviously, DJ is going to punish him on the offensive end all day. Um, but I also think Clemson shot a very, very high clip that game. And sometimes you just got to shake the opponent's hand and say, you know what? You got the best of me tonight. You guys, I mean, at one point they were shooting 60% from the field, 50% from three, 40% from three, and 85 from the line. I mean, that's bonkers. And when teams shoot yeah. that well, they're going to win games. Um, so I think that's just a part of it. I don't think they're the greatest matchup for NC State, but I also think that NC State needs to play a little bit better from the offensive standpoint because they didn't shoot the ball well. So when a team doesn't shoot the ball well and a team shoots great, it's obviously not going to be a great result. All right, so they kind of flush the Clemson game. They go over to Durham. I like the way that they played for most of the first half. I thought the start of the second half was where they lost the game. Uh, ultimately, though, with Joyner with 26 points, he made six of his 12 threes. Yeah. The rest of the team goes two of 16 for three. I mean, that's not a winning formula. It isn't. And I mean, honestly, he's, Jarkel's been the one, like, positive out of the last two games. I think DJ's had his moments on the offensive end. Uh, I mean, Duke just beat us up on the offensive glass. I think that's a big part of it, too, is they had so many second stance points that, yes. you know, in a four-point game, and you go look back at – I mean, you can go look back at the the free throw discrepancy, all these different things, but they also had all these extra possessions because they just beat us up on the glass. Um, and I think, honestly, that ended up being the difference maker in a four-point game. So NC State at uh, 12 and 8 and now has a chance. They can't get into the double bye, which I think you and I had a feeling if they could do that, they would give themselves a chance to be able to win three games in three days. Obviously, that's out the window. The best they can do now is be the sixth seed. The easiest way for them to be the sixth seed is if Carolina loses. Okay? Mm-hmm. Simple enough. They would have different uh, conference records. State 12 and 8. Carolina would be 11 and 9. If Carolina wins, it is likely that NC State will be the number seven seed. And I say that because the tiebreak is then based on your best air quotes win. And the way that the league determines that is they just go down the standings. And what we don't know right now is who's going to be first. We don't know who's going to be second. We don't know who's going to be third because Miami, Pittsburgh, and Virginia are tied right now. Miami and Pittsburgh play. Uh, long story short, <laughs> very long story short. <laughs> if Miami is the high is the number one seed, and uh, if Miami is the number one seed, even if Carolina wins, uh, NC State would be able to have the NC State would be able to be the number six seed based on their win over Miami. If 
uh, Pittsburgh wins and Pittsburgh's the highest rated team or Virginia is the highest rated team, then Virginia ends up being the tie break. NC State didn't beat Virginia. North Carolina did. Long story short. Again, if Carolina loses, doesn't matter what's happened. What happens? State is the six. A more likely scenario, in my opinion, Scott, Carolina wins. Carolina wins. Virginia wins, which means Carolina ends up being the sixth state is the seven in the bracket. If you look at the brackets on the lower half, you would be, uh, you know, as the sixth seed, you're playing at night in the, in the last game, which I don't know about you, but I, I would never like as a player to sit around and watch four games all day and then wait to get on the floor at nine 30 at the earliest. Um, I don't know about you, but did, did you were you ever in that slot where you had to wait for that late game? I can't remember. Down in Atlanta, you weren't. Yeah, the early game in Atlanta. Great, maybe I, one of the I, Greensboro times. I vaguely remember watching a couple games um, before, but I really couldn't. I couldn't tell you, and I don't ever think I ever thought of it like that either. Um, just mm-hmm. sitting around all day. Now I, I do say there is something to that. Um, just sitting around and, and waiting, and you're just ready to go out there and play. Uh, so there is like, quite a bit of jitters, but I, I don't, I don't know if I did. I, I never even thought about that, but can we go back to, um, is that really the formula that ACC has? It's our podcast. Yes, that is the formula. It's based on your best. Well, first of all, it's based on head to head, but since North Carolina and NC state each won one game, you then go to the best win and you work your, you work your way down the ACC standings to determine. Okay. For example, like I said, if Miami wins, they're, they're the first, they're the number one seed. So NC State has a win over Miami. North Carolina doesn't. So NC State would win the tiebreak with North Carolina. Does that make sense? No, because what happens if Virginia is the one seed? They played Virginia twice, and they got right. a win out of Virginia. But they still that, beat that, Virginia. That logic yes. doesn't make sense to me. But uh, uh, Well, okay. it's the same way, though. It's the same way, though, because State played Miami twice, but Carolina only played them once. So that's just how it works. Those are the rules. Those are the breaks. It'll be okay. I'm not a big fan, but that's okay. <laughs> so fundamentally, though, either if you're six, you face the three seed. If you win your Wednesday game, nine thirty. If you're the seven, you face the two seed in the seven o'clock game on Thursday. NC State in the position that they're in. Let's talk a little bit about where they are NCAA tournament wise in their resume. I think, I think if they win on Wednesday, and they would play the winner of the Louisville and the ten seed as the seven. I don't think there's any way if they win, they're in the tournament. If they lose, they are going to be subject to some bubble luck. Um, I do think though, if you look at their resume, and I don't know how, how much of the stuff do you get into it, Scott? I don't, but I would tell you just my gut feeling. I would say I want the six seed um, because I don't want the, I don't like the lick, the look of finishing seventh in the ACC. And okay. I also don't like the look of losing three games in a row. I think that's yeah, a, I think there's a big consideration that went that they t- fair or not fair, and I don't think it's fair, especially for this team. I think there's a difference in a a team that's not very good that lost three in a row to end the year, and then there's a difference between a good team that played good teams at the end to to yeah. lose in a row. So that's my my biggest fear is to lose three straight games. I just don't think it's a good look, and it would not make me comfortable waiting on selection. Day to, to get in there. I can promise you that. That would be my only fear. But I also feel like this is a very good bounce back team. I think they've played two really good teams that have that have 
you know, caught a little bit of heat towards the end of the year. Um, so again, I, it's hard to say personally, I would not want to be the seven. I just don't think it's a good look, but I also am a matchup guy. So I would almost want to know who is my matchup. If I'm the seven, who's my matchup. If I'm the six, the way I look at NC state's resume and, and every, anyone's resume for the NCAA tournament is like this. Okay. The NCAA has put a, a premium on the quadrant one wins. And if you're unfamiliar with this, the NCAA created a metric in 2019 that they call the net, that they tried to combine the efficiency metrics of Ken Palm with some of the other home and road and site type metrics from the RPI and combine them, tried to combine them. Why they didn't just use Ken Palm, I don't know. Can't answer that question. Um, but th- why they did away with how did you do in your last 10 games? I don't know, but I just know that they did. I also know one thing they put a, a tr- so when you look at the quadrant one games, those are games that you play uh, on the road. That's against the top 75. Those are games you play neutral site, top 50. Those are games when you play them at home, the opponent is top 30. Number one thing to remember in all of this is your net does not matter. And NC State proved this in 2019 in the first year of the net. When they did not get in, they were the highest rated team in the net to not make the tournament. They were 33. St. John's was 60 spots below them in the net and ended up making the tournament. So your net doesn't matter. Number one thing to, to remember. Your opponents, though, does. On that front, NC State, 2-6 and six in Q1 games, 5-3 and three in Q2. Okay. It, that's not like blow your socks off type numbers. But here's the thing that helps NC State. And this is why they're different from that 2019 team. This is why they're different from Wake Forest from last year, because I know there'll be some comparisons to that team. NC State's 5-0 and in Q3 games. That's good. 10-0 and in Q4 games. Don't want to play that many Q4 games. But a lot of them ended up being ACC games, unfortunately, for both NC State and the ACC. What you see there, though, Scott, with those zeros is there's no red flag. Okay. And then the other part of your resume that the committee will always value is your non-conference strength of schedule. All right. The way that the committee looks at that is these are the games that you could control. Okay. These aren't the games from your league because everyone plays tough league games when you're in a power five conference. These are the games that you controlled. In 2019, NC State was 353 in strength of schedule. That's, that was dead last out of every team. That is the definition of a red flag. Okay. This, this year's team, while you and I have had concerns about their non-conference schedule, it's 220. So what that means is on selection Sunday, that's not a number that's, that's going to go up on a board and be like, well, NC state played. No, 220 is a long way. It's more than 130 spots from 353. So, that the NC State has that going for them. And you go, well, why does that matter? Because now, Scott, you go over and you look at Clemson. And this is where those red flags come in. I mentioned NC State. They don't have any Q3 losses. They don't have any Q4 losses. And they have that non-conference schedule, which is not in the 300s. Now, this is where if, if this was the uh, Tiger Therapy, the Ipte Therapy podcast, you would be screaming at the top of your lungs. But Clemson is 13-6 and six in the league. But Clemson beat NC State twice head-to-head. And then this is where I go into Mark Godfrey, your coach, bracketology mode, and I tell you, Clemson is 6-2 and two 
in Q3 games. That's not good. They're nine and two in Q4 games. That's brutal. That Louisville loss was absolutely atrocious for Clemson and could potentially keep them out of the NCAA tournament in spite of their success against Duke, in spite of their success against NC State. And heck, they have some really good wins, Scott. And here's the other killer for Clemson. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 324. 324. So now you have, if you're Clemson, you have two red flags. You have the Q4 losses and you have this atrocious non-conference strength of schedule. The difference, that's the difference between NC State and Clemson. Put your name up on a board. NC State is a clean sheet. You might sit here and go, what, what did NC State really do? And you would say, well, they beat Duke, they beat Carolina, they beat Miami. I mean, I, I, I know Duke and Miami are in the tournament field, and NC State beat them. That I know. That's, that's another one of those elements you have to look at, too. Well, who did you beat that's going to be in this tournament? Because ultimately, it does matter. You guys beat St. Bonaventure, and, and people might, out there might laugh at this. It's one of the reasons you got in. That's one of the reasons you got in the field, is you had a win over. They, the committee doesn't have to guess. They know. Can they beat somebody in the field? Well, yeah, they beat St. Bonaventure on the road, no less. It was a neutral site game, technically. But I don't know. But is, is your head spinning now as I explain all this bracketology to you? And you're just like, hey, just no, I mean, I've got. No, I actually had a conversation with a guy the other day, and I, and I think we should get rid of the NCAA committee. I'll just just the get rid selection of it. committee. Okay. Yeah, just get, get rid of it and just let Vegas pick it. Okay. If, there's a, if there was ever somebody that knows what's really going on and can get yeah. the spread and all this stuff as close as it is, it's Vegas. So whatever formula they have, it works. I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one time with teachers, with class sizes like about 16 per teacher. You can really get that one-on-one help a lot of students need. A 12 to one student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. That's who should be doing it. And if we're not going to do that, then, like, this is my biggest thing is uh, if you took five basketball guys and they watched a game and they watched a game and they said, you know what, here's Clemson, here's NC State. Let's say they watch all the games throughout the year. If Clemson does not get in the tournament, I don't necessarily see how NC State can get in the tournament. Sure. And that's, that's just well, I just explained it to you. There's no there's no red flags is what I'm is what I'm getting. Uh, and which, the I, problem, which I understand, but I would say Clemson yeah. is a is a very good team. I agree. You know, Here, here's the thing. Losses. Here's the thing. Maybe it's Carolina who doesn't get in. Because if Carolina loses the Duke, 
on Saturday, they find themselves in a situation where their, their red flag would be their lack of Q1 wins. So they have these opportunities. They have to take advantage of them. They took advantage of the first one. They beat Virginia. That was huge for them to, to, to take care of business against a team they struggle against. Ultimately, though, Scott, it's important to remember you're compared to the other teams on the bubble. And I mentioned bubble luck. And I actually think it's a good thing that State's not playing this weekend because your, your body work is done. Even though you ended it on two losses, your body of work is done. Now, you know, Arizona State, for example, plays UCLA tonight. It's, is that good or bad? Wisconsin plays Purdue tonight. Is that good or bad? I mean, you, you get your ass kicked. It's not good. You don't take advantage of the opportunity. It's not good. But if they win those games, again, that's where this bubble luck comes in. So if you're a state fan and you're listening to this right now, you know, you're driving to work, you're, you're, you're driving to the beach this weekend because you have a chance to get away. I would just say to you, you start rooting against the Arizona states of the world. You start rooting against Wisconsin uh, and maybe even an Oklahoma state because it's going to be fascinating to me. I don't know how much of the Big 12 you've watched, Scott, but the Big 12 to me has been the best conference college basketball this year by a really wide margin. Um, I ended up watching a little bit of uh, TCU and Texas last night. and Man, both of those teams. I know Pitt's running hot right now, and we'll get into some uh, superlatives here for the ACC, but I'm, if I'm watching Jamie Dixon with that team, I'm going, wait, what did we do? How did we get rid of that? Why did we get rid of that guy? He knows love, what he's hey, doing. i tell you, one of my best, most fun visits was when he was at Pittsburgh. It was a lot of fun. He's a great guy. He's got some great How many recruiting too. visits did you go on? Uh, too many, but I, I can I promise you... I can promise you as a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and, and my mother being from Pittsburgh, I was going to take that visit no matter what. So okay, um, great. Absolutely great guy. Coach O was there. I think I don't even know if he's at Kentucky anymore. Antigua. Um, yeah. Another great guy. Showed me around well, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, around Heinz Field. I mean, they took me on Heinz Field. I was about to pick up some grass and throw it in a folder. So obviously state. Did you do Butler and Purdue? Yeah. IU. Notre Dame. You did go to Indiana. Yeah, I did. I did the. I did the whole trip. Okay. I mean, I, I, I didn't. Know I went that. to Virginia Tech, but the only official I ever took was NC State. Once I went to NC State, I pretty much knew. Was that Seth Greenberg, Virginia Tech? Yeah. Okay. JJ was there too. Yeah. Coach Odom. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Interesting. I enjoyed. All right. I, I enjoyed that visit. It was just. It was. I don't know, man. Blacksburg's just. It was just gave me a weird feel. I don't know why. It's different. Blacksburg's different. Uh, I do enjoy going there. My nephew went there. He had a great time. Math. So I mean, it's 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 kind of like NC State. Yeah, I can't even spell math. Science and math. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, hey, I, I'm. I like Virginia Tech. You know me. You know my opinion of Mike Young. So uh, I enjoy, I enjoy uh, Virginia Tech more so basketball than football. I'm not gonna lie to you on that front, but. Uh, all right, let's get into a little some ACC awards then, because I feel like you at least saw all of the teams that came to Raleigh. I know that, and um, I think NC State. Let's start with the one that I think NC State is probably not going to get right, and I think there's going to be some reaction to this. I do think NC State will get a player on the All ACC team. I don't think it's going to be the right one though. Um, what do you think? I don't know, dude. He's played so well at the end of the year. I've got to put Jarkel in. Yeah, I just that's think, my choice. I think Jarkel's the one that's got to be in. And I think T is great. I just think from a consistency top to bottom, 
I mean, Charkel is just a game changer. I mean, he plays so hard defensively, offensively. He's steady and consistent. I just, I, I think he's got to be the one that if if I'm doing one, I mean, they could, I mean, maybe they do get two, but I, I just think he's the one. If I if I had a vote, I could tell you that's where it's going. Yeah. If you made me pick one NC State player, and I think you and I have the same opinion of who would be the most valuable player uh, on this year's team, and that is Jarkel Joyner. I think the way that he's played down the stretch has been, you know, they also kind of embody a six-year guy. I think the team has kind of embodied his spirit and kind of followed his lead. You know, in that two game, they're down ten in the second half, and I'm I'm I already wrote my story. And I'm sitting yeah. there going, oh, this game's over. And then all of a sudden, he starts banging threes. He dotted Filipowski late. And I was like, whoa, what was that? Well, and I will, that I will say this. In fairness, he has 100% benefited from Terquavion getting so yeah. much attention. And yeah. I think that's another thing to consider, too. Terquavion gets so much pressure defensively and so many – like, he's drawing the best defender no matter what. Like, he is the scouting report. So, I think it does free up a lot of things for Jar- Jarkel. Uh, in my ballot, I would have uh, DJ Burns and Terquavion Smith on the second team. I, I think they've earned that. I think, no. you know, you look at the rest of the league, it just, you start losing spots, man. That's the only thing. And I, I, well, I also wonder, the way that the voting goes now, there's a panel, but you, the school has to nominate the players. And I'm, I'm, I'm certain NC State will nominate all three. Um, but it, it gets a little funky with how the voting goes. Oh, so you're saying uh, I, I fear that something, something else that's funky. I just want to be clear on that. All right. Yeah, just just a few things. Uh, no, I do like this process. It's much better than the old process. Trust me when I tell you that. Um, but I just look at it and I go, mm, I wonder if they're not just going to look at, because a lot of people just look at stats, right? Like Tyree Appleby, you might look at and go, well, he should be first team all ACC. I don't know. I don't know. Will he be? You know, you have Virginia potentially finishing either first or second. Are they going to have an all-ACC player? Probably not. Um, we know Armando Baycott's going to be on the first team. I don't have any problem with that. Isaiah Wong, I, I think, is is on a short list there. I, I like Omir from Miami. He might not make the first team. He would get one, he would get one of my votes. I, I think Norchard Amir has been... They have no size, Scott. And he's not even big. Tall. He's not long, but he is... <laughs> Strong, super strong. I, I just like the way that he plays. Yeah, I think they should. I, I don't mind the idea of a uh, a media vote, a coach's vote, and a player's vote. I did like the old coach's vote when coaches paid attention. You know what I mean? When, it, when they voted. Because, I, you know, I do this in football often. I will call the coaches I know and say, who's the best offensive lineman? Because I'm not sitting there looking at it the same level that they are. Right. Yeah. And I do think there is a value to coaches who, like you said, I had to prepare for Squavion Smith. You know, maybe, maybe some of these other guys can, can, can sneak up on you. And there's some empty calories and stats. Like, you know, let's be honest. So, yeah. Let's I go just think that, let's that, go, be fun. Let's go to the coach of the year. This is one of those where I hate the criteria, the, the unofficial criteria seems to be. We picked you last and we thought you were going to suck. Oh my God. Now look, you're, you know, you either had a winning record or you're going to make the NCAA tournament. You're the coach of the year, right? Like this is why Mike Krzyzewski hasn't hadn't went from like 2001 on without winning the ACC coach of the year. When obviously at some point 
Mike Krzyzewski was the best coach in the league, not Seth Greenberg, not Dave Lado, and not, you know, some of the other guys that ended up winning the stupid thing. Um, I look at it this year. I think Kevin's done a great job. There's no doubt about that. I think Jeff Capel probably is going to win it. But I'll tell you what, I don't think anyone did a better job than John Shire this year. You look at the improvement of that team from when we saw them first week of January to where they are now with the injuries that they've had to deal with and some of the uh, and following and following K. I mean, that's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, that's an interesting take. Uh, I would say for me, I look at it as who did the most with the least. Okay. Um, and I would say John Shire had the best recruiting class Duke history has ever had. So he's not even, he's, I mean, I mean, maybe best recruiting class. I I mean, mean, statistically speaking, it is the best, supposedly the best recruiting class they've ever brought in. Okay. So I I am not going to go that route whatsoever. Well, two of them were hurt. Two of them were hurt for most of the year, but. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think he, I think he did a great coaching job for for what he said. Yeah. But for the, the cards they've been dealt, I'd say Capel probably has done the best coaching job. From I don't feel like he has a whole lot of pieces there that need that, that like are going to be a top three ACC yeah. thing. I would say that that is a hundred percent fair. But then I would also look at Kevin, and I would say I think Kevin has a lot more talent than Pittsburgh. I think what he brought in from the transfer portal and how it kind of meshed together is unbelievable. But I'd also say what Kevin had to deal with last year, yeah. and, and if we're going from the biggest jump, and then I think there's also something to be taken into consideration, meshing a bunch of guys, a whole completely rebranded yeah. new team, I think has to take into consideration. I think, though, to me, it has to be one of those two. Um, Kevin, I would, yeah, Kevin did a, a, a tremendous job with that. So did Jeff. They're, they had very, very similar seasons. Whereas Pitt was able to few to win a few more games in the league and still has a chance to win the league. There's always going to be value in that. There has to be value in that. Yeah. To your definition, though, who did the most with the least? In my opinion, it's clear that's Brad Brownell. I do not have a high opinion of Clemson's roster, and still like, they found like a way him. to win 13 games. I like Clemson. I'm not going to lie. But your After, definition, your definition, doing the most with the least would be Brown. I, I would, I would still say Capel has a, a, a weaker roster to a Clemson. Okay. We're I honestly would believe that. Dude, I think, I think Hall arguably outside. Who was hurt, by take, the way. If we take these three teams into consideration, I would say I would say Hall could arguably be the number one he'd draft be the pick best on player on board. Pittsburgh, without a doubt. Am okay. I wrong? I don't know Wait. because Pitts guards both of their transfer guards. Three they bought in three transfer guards. A lot like state again. Parallel season. I, I think I think J, I think Jeff ends up winning the award, and that's fine because of what Pitts team accomplishment. I'm just saying to you, you're sitting here saying the most with the least. Oh. I like Buddy, Clemson's, team. Clemson's I, roster is not it. Not, I mean, I, would, I actually, I, I I actually they, talked I to Kevin this week. I, I actually talked to Kevin this deep. week and I told him, I said, Kevin, the only complaint I have with you right now is you got swept by Clemson. I said, I just have such a very little opinion of Clemson's teams roster. That, that is the only one that bothers me. Shoot. Teams that can shoot are going to get yeah, you. They, they can shoot against state. 
that's all they could shoot against. That's what I kept telling I mean, them. Like, I don't uh-huh. understand what is this magic Clemson has against you. Well, I, the, the magic hit when I was sitting front row and I, all of a sudden my eyes <laughs> opened up. Like, I like this team. <laughs> so I'm sticking with it, buddy. I'm a, I'm a, right. I'm a ball fan. Sign me up. That's fine. That. That's fine. So state goes to Greensboro. They're going to play on Wednesday. We don't know the opponent yet, but we'll probably, we'll talk next week. Uh, we'll talk once we know all the the assignments and all that other stuff. So we'll lock all that up uh, when we get when we know more instead of sitting here guessing. But Scott Wood, appreciate you taking some time. Uh, hey, tell me a little bit before we let, let you go. Tell me a little bit about this AAU team that you have <laughs> that you've put together because I'm I'm fascinated by this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just so basically we had um, uh, I'd work out some kids in the summertime, uh, and then the parents had just mentioned about how chaotic and unorganized that AAU is and how it just put a bad taste in some of the kids mouths. And honestly, there, a lot of these kids are good players, man. I've got a lot of kids that probably have the potential to play mid-major to a, to a P5, P5 team. Uh, I mean, they've got that skill set and I just, they kept asking, kept asking. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not doing this. And finally I just gave in and I'm like, dude, these kids need a good experience. Um, they need something that's organized. They need something that's just not roll the balls out and play. Uh, yeah. so I said, you know what? I will make a sacrifice for a year, uh, to coach. So, um, we're calling it Scott Woodley. Uh, again, I think my, my name and my number lined up perfectly with Swish. So we, we have a logo called Swish Elite. Um, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, we've got eight guys. I've, had the, the the hardest part honestly is I've had since we announced we're doing it I've had a bunch of kids and and that, that I know and that I've worked with in the past and that I've had a connection with that have reached out and said hey you you got a spot and that, the hardest part is yeah. just kind of turning people away at this point but we I don't know my my wife thinks that it may take on a mind of its own and this may roll into a thing year after year but I'm hoping it's just a one year thing because it is a little bit bigger time commitment than I expected I'm not traveling but save a spot for me on the bench on the closest tournament okay. Hey, I've got room for a lot of people. So if anybody yeah. wants to come out and watch, there's a live period that everybody has to have a uh, a certificate. But other than that, y'all can come sit on the bench with me. Our, our viewers on uh, YouTube can see I'm holding up the international sign for corner. Because by your second corner. game, we weren't they weren't allowed. You couldn't call it out. So just, <laughs> Scott Wood, best of luck in your your coaching endeavors. Maybe get me out there. I'll get some technicals. Uh, maybe we'll do some scouting. I, I would enjoy that tremendously. <laughs> but my day job is radio here on 99.9 The Fan and of course Pack Therapy. You can catch us Apple, Spotify, the Googles, you name it please. And also you're watching us on YouTube leave a comment. What did you think today of today's episode? Tell us would Jarkel Joyner be on your first team all ACC or would you have Jaquavion Smith? We'd love to hear from you here on the YouTube page and also please of course subscribe because we need you. We'll talk to you guys next week before NC State heads to the ACC tournament. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes and I liked how interactive 
and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.